Welcome to the Rooted in Change podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Jan, and you're listening to the Rooted in Change podcast. As you know, this podcast features European cleantech champions and their solutions on how to tackle the climate crisis. Today's guest is Eloisa, the CEO of Anapoly. Anapoly offers zinc iron battery cells and packs, which are obviously highly relevant for the energy transition. We'll learn more about that in just a second. Welcome, Eloisa. Hi, Jan. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Excellent. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thanks for joining me today. Why don't we start with you telling me a bit about your background and yeah, maybe just the quick pitch of what you've done professionally before becoming Anapoli's CEO? Sure, I would love to. Uh, well, I started out my career in the aerospace industry. I have a background as a mechanical engineer. And while I was in aerospace, I did work on uh, several power and energy products, uh, even though my focus was in mechanical engineering. Mm -hmm. So in aerospace, um, a lot of the satellites that, that I worked on were powered with solar energy and had battery backup. And so that's a kind of tenuous connection to, um, to you know, what I'm doing here in the in the energy industry, um, in that the uh, the systems have the same basic components, but a big difference in you know when you're building systems for for energy is that um, you know on Earth the the cost of um, of that kind of system is a lot more important. Mm -hmm. So what really brought me to Enerpoli is the mission to build a more uh, sustainable and reliable supply of uh, batteries for energy storage in uh, electricity grids. Right. And so what was the, I mean, you, you said that you started out your career in the space industry, mm. but then the connection to energy and energy storage was always there because I guess it's a critical component of making sure that satellites function for quite a long while, not just a short duration. Well, yes. So, so the way that it works with satellites is that you, you have no option but to use sustainable energy. Right. So, um, so I, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's for, um, you know, I wouldn't define it in, uh, in long duration, uh, short duration, so much as um, understanding Uh, what the conditions of, of the satellite would be and, and how you would need to to operate them. Mm -hmm. Okay, understood. You just mentioned Anapoly and sort of your core value proposition. So tell us a bit more about Anapoly and what you actually do. So at Anapoly, we build zinc ion batteries. Uh, we have developed a zinc ion battery technology that is suitable for um, specifically energy shifting is our ideal use case. Um, if you think about the duration of batteries, um, you know, a lot of times we hear about uh, short duration, long duration. I would classify Enerpoli's battery technology as kind of medium duration in that um, the ideal operating uh, duration is about two to 10 hours. And that's mm -hmm. really ideal for energy shifting, which um, right now is not very cost effective, but we really expect that to be important for the energy transition. And we expect this use case or range of use cases to grow um, significantly 
over the next several years and to be, you know, to continue to be very important. Right. And so how does it actually work? And you said it's zinc iron. I guess most talk of the town around batteries is always lithium. So tell us a bit more about your zinc iron battery solution. I mean, we hear a lot about lithium ion batteries um, since right now about uh, 90% of electrochemical energy storage that has been deployed is lithium ion. Mm -hmm. And um, what uh, is really different about zinc ion batteries and what we are aiming to deliver is um, a more cost-effective way of delivering energy storage. So um, the, the decision by the ones that are deploying energy storage solutions on whether or not they're, they're going to deploy it is mainly um, driven by cost. And um, you know, based on a lot of the conversations that we've had with um, utilities and the battery energy storage integrators, a lot of um, a lot of what they consider to deploy when they do um, an economic analysis of it uh, is just not really feasible. Mm -hmm. And um, what, what we do is try to deliver that. And the way that we deliver that cost effectiveness is by using more affordable materials. Mm -hmm. About uh, 60 to 80% of the cost of batteries is... Um, from the materials that are used. And what we use are uh, zinc and manganese dioxide. And these are, um, these materials have been used in batteries for some time in non-rechargeable batteries. And the innovation that we have is on the rechargeability of this combination of materials so that we can you know, start deploying um, batteries using inexpensive materials in, um, in applications like uh, stationary energy storage and address that problem. Right, super interesting. And what about sort of the environmental side of things as well? Because we hear a lot about uh, the the mining of lithium, and you know, Sweden just recently discovered um, potential raw earth reservoirs up north. So, how does that look for you? Well, we don't use any uh, critical raw materials in our batteries. Um, so critical raw materials are um, raw materials that um, are typically in short supply or, mm -hmm. um, you know, are quite difficult to get, but are essential for, for um, a, you know, one, a growing economy. And also, um, you know, the way that Europe thinks about it, um, for the, the growth also of the European energy transition. Um, we don't use any critical raw materials. So this is very important. Mm -hmm. And um, and in fact, there, there um, have been uh, recent discoveries of, um, you know, of uh, large supplies of zinc, uh, mm -hmm. yes, in Sweden, um, and also that, uh, you know, zinc and manganese dioxide are materials that can be um, mined anywhere in the world. Which is also, I guess, a, a very important factor in nowadays 
yes. setup of supply chains. If you look at sort of the geopolitical conflicts that we've seen over the last well years and maybe decades, but even more so with the tensions building up that you don't want to build supply chains that are relevant, maybe or just or dependent on just one actor, one country. Yeah, it's um, it's a difficult uh, issue to navigate if you have a very geographically concentrated supply chain. Mm-hmm. So, um, so having that kind of flexibility is something that, you know, I mean, it has been important with batteries for a long time. And then we started seeing just how important it was, um, maybe soon after COVID began. Um, and then even more so, uh, given the, the recent, like you mentioned, complex geopolitical tensions. Yeah. All right. Understood that part. So let's look at a, a bit more at the the use cases. So, um, how can your technology be used in practice? You mentioned the medium storage as the as your sweet spot. At Enerpoli, we've had several conversations with both um, utilities and um, battery system integrators that deploy mm-hmm. in commercial and industrial settings. Mm-hmm. The you know the main interest in um, Enerpoli's technology is the cost effectiveness and the use cases um, for, for each are, are quite consistent. Um, so, so the interest in Enerpoli's technology is focused on energy shifting. Um, the technology is suited for two to 10 hour durations. So just some examples of that would be um, at grid scale, being able to integrate more renewables. So, um, I mean, as as you well know, um, renewable energy is intermittent, you know, um, can only be generated when the wind is blowing and when the sun is shining. So we need to have um, energy storage to be able to store that energy when we're not using it and, um, and then discharge when we do need to use that. Um, another, another use case is to also um, defer upgrades to the grid. Uh, this, I think, um, is particularly, um, particularly important in uh, areas where it's quite difficult um, and it requires a lot of permitting to do upgrades. So, um, so anytime that, that there's a, a limit on space or a high population density, so where mm-hmm. um, I expect this to be more difficult. Um, in commercial and industrial settings, there's um, generally an interest in energy arbitrage. Um, there's also quite a bit of interest in replacing diesel. Uh, typically, diesel is only run... Um, during peak hours. So, so um, most of these cases, uh, the diesel generators are run for between four hours and six hours. And that's also uh, a perfect um, use case for the technology. And right. last but definitely not least, um, microgrids. Well, so like really the whole bandwidth of possible use cases for, for batteries, uh, but obviously with the sweet spot, on the longer scale. I really like what you said about sort of replacing the diesel generators and obviously providing grid services um, yeah, to cover exactly. for, or to partner up with renewables. 
Yeah, most most of what's been deployed today has been in shorter durations because that's mm. that's where it's been cost effective enough for, um, or really just uh, critical for reliability um, enough to to really deploy energy storage. But then, if we really want to be able to integrate more renewable energy into the grid, then we need to have these um, these solutions for energy storage that are greater than um, four-hour durations. And I guess if you look at the, I mean, I always take EVs as a as a good example of how we can see a shift in in behavior and even technology. You know, ten years ago there were almost near no EVs on the road. And now you either own an EV or you know someone who does. So sort of that shift has happened over the past decade. But obviously personal transportation, passenger cars are quite easy to electrify. And I guess you know it's an easy use case for battery because um, it doesn't need a lot of power compared to, I guess, the, the use cases that you described also with uh, industrial commercial applications uh, where diesel generators come in uh, to shave peak demand? Well, I would say that that um, electric vehicles definitely require uh, a lot of power, but maybe they don't require as much energy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. True. Yeah. Um, so you just described the, the use cases. Uh, so where are you then on your commercial journey? So what's sort of what's been cooking so far at Annapoli and where are you going Next, I know that you, for example, closed a funding round last year. Um, so there is interest and trust from investors for what you're doing. Yeah, we closed our round, our seed round last year. And um, I mean, that's certainly, um, you know, a, I mean, anytime that, that an entrepreneur closes the funding round, um, it's a relief and, and certainly uh, last year was probably one of the most difficult times mm-hmm. to do it. And, uh, um, you know, the, the fact that we are able to close around um, really shows just how, um, you know, how important what we're working on is, uh, even when times are difficult, actually, maybe even more so when times are difficult. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and it felt really good, um, you know, to, to be able to get through the kind of, I think, extra scrutiny into, um, the operations of the company and the business plan. And, um, you know, do we really have a clarity on the, the needs of the market right now and in the future? Because, um, the investors, I think we're, we're a lot more, um, you know, we're uh, a lot more picky uh, and cautious than Mm -hmm. they typically are. Mm -hmm. Uh, Where we are on the journey is, um, I mean, in for the last two years, what what we had been working on was to bring our technology from laboratory scale into a commercial product. And so we have designed that commercial product and we are um, manufacturing the prototypes to deliver on several pilots uh, this year. And um, the, there's been um, a really, really interesting uh, feedback also that, that um, you know, we, we were 
expecting, but also kind of not expecting on the importance of, um, of the durations that, that we designed for. Mm -hmm. so, so that's been um, re really positive for, for the team. Wonderful. Yeah, really nice to hear. And then uh, obviously good luck for the pilots later this year. Thank you. <laughs> and you just mentioned um, some of the challenges and would love to look at the, those as well. Uh, one of them obviously being that, well, scaling a, a clean tech company need, requires money and requires often requires money and often requires support from investors, not all the time, but obviously as you're um, looking into hardware as well, that's more capital intensive than if you had started a software company. So that that's obviously one challenge. Maybe you can describe that a bit more, how that is, especially in your industry. And I guess what I would also love to hear from you is your view on maybe the question, or maybe let's do the, the challenges first, then I'll ask the second question afterwards. <laughs> yeah, it's a very good question. Um, I mean, the, the challenges to to scaling up a hardware technology are um, different, absolutely, than the challenges to, to scaling up you know, software. Um, and, you know, the, the, the key thing, I, I think, in making sure that um, a hardware technology um, is as scalable as possible is making sure that um, you address uh, as, as many of the um, the areas where where hardware technologies or um, previous technologies similar to yours have had trouble scaling up. So, specifically for emerging technologies in the battery space, the challenges to scaling up include. Uh, yes, capital, because it's a hardware technology, um, but also um, specifically for that, specifically for battery technology is um, materials, because materials are such a large cost. Um, the manufacturing processes a lot of times the manufacturing processes, um, you know, when you develop a new manufacturing process, you have to make sure that it's something that can also be done at scale. And uh, most of the time what you're doing in the laboratory is difficult to scale. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we, we really have focused on these two things to be able to address that scalability issue. I mean, in fact, um, when we've seen previous battery companies um, fail to scale up um, or fail, uh, it's because they've had trouble scaling up from the technology to uh, large volume production. And um, what we've done for, for the materials is we are using materials that already have an existing supply chain. Um, but also, we've already had conversations with the, the providers of the materials that we were doing our research with to ensure that this is something that um, either they're producing already at scale or they can very easily um, produce at a very large scale. 
So we've worked with um, a lot of already high volume manufacturers in Europe to do this. Um, and on top of that, for the manufacturing technology, we're using the same process um, for manufacturing our batteries that has been used and scaled up very successfully for lithium ion technology. But we have several advantages on top of that. And um, much of it has to do with the fact that the materials we work with are safe. Um, and so therefore we can save on the CapEx and OpEx and very importantly for sustainability, um, save a lot of energy when we're producing the batteries. Yeah, super interesting. Thank you so much for, for painting the picture of how you can actually scale up your tech from, from lab scale to uh, its commercial journey. I'm also interested in the second part that I just mentioned before, sort of my second question that I had in mind is how do you navigate or what, what's your take on um, the different battery technologies that are out there? I know we talked quite a bit already about lithium during our, our conversation here, and I'm sure your customers and investors have asked similar questions. So maybe you can just share a bit um, your views on how do customers, utilities, investors navigate different technologies out there? What's their their role in the in the future mix of batteries? Well, I really like that you call it the future mix of batteries because that's exactly what it needs to be. Right. Um, a mix of different technologies that address um, you know, very, very well the particular needs of each application. Um, I mean, like I mentioned before, um, and like, like you rightly observe, um, I mean, lithium ion is definitely on the minds of uh, many people. And, and it is the most, um, the most deployed electrochemical energy storage um, at the moment. And, uh, uh, but there are other technologies that also address very specific applications um, quite well. And one of the, the things that I can bring up is that... Um, you know, if you take a look at what has been deployed um, in, you know, for example, data center backup. Uh, yes, everybody uh, is always talking about lithium ion, but uh, lead acid technology uh, still has um, many deployments in backup for data centers. And mm -hmm. that is because uh, the, the technology in those particular applications um, is, you know, the performance is a really good fit. The, uh, the cycle life and the uh, cost are appropriate for backup. And so, so in many of those decisions, um, the data centers have chosen um, and are continuing to choose uh, lead acid batteries. Um, and one of the one of the things to keep in mind is that you know we've really only touched the the surface of what um, electrochemical battery energy storage can be used for um, for grid reliability. And as new technologies develop, 
um, especially those in longer durations than what's been deployed so far, then we're going to, to start to see um, uh, a lot more of what the, the battery landscape can truly be. I guess it's just the beginning of the journey that we're starting to see here, as you just said, you know, this is, I guess, maybe, you know, maybe we're five or 10% down the road, as you've also said before, you know, this is, uh, we really need to scale up how many batteries we have to support the influx of renewables and to increase the share of renewables and our energy mix. And then I, uh, the picture that I've chosen, yeah, the picture that I've chosen uh, on the energy mix then also reflects, I guess, the battery mix. Um, and that the picture that came to my mind also was, you know, we don't have that conversation around renewables. So we don't say, you know, we only need solar, we only need wind, or we only need biomass. But even there, it's a mix that is relevant for certain use cases and certain relevant for certain geographic uh, certain fits um, in terms of geography. So I guess that's going to be the same for battery technologies as well. Exactly. I mean, that, that's why um, we don't have more hydro deployed because we, we simply cannot put it everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, and for the battery technologies, it, it depends really on each particular use case. I mean, does uh, you know, do we need to have something that's very compact? Do we need um, only, um, you know, in the lifetime of the battery, are we only going to need to cycle this battery, you know, fewer than 100 times? In fact, I've spoken to um, several battery system integrators that really serve more, more niche um, applications. And I mean, I, I can't get into the details of what exactly they are, but but um, oftentimes they use um, a particular technology because most of their customers are within a particular um, uh, niche application and they don't use any of the, the more uh, common, I guess, uh, more widely used battery technologies. Makes a lot of sense. I guess yeah, yeah I love this uh, these insights because it really paints the picture for me. There's no one solution fits all, and I think this is really what also, um, you know, why why I wanted to talk to you in the first place to get this wider picture of yes, lithium ion batteries fully have their place, and you know they they're great use cases for them, but we need other technologies that you know are scalable, come with advantages, the cost effectiveness that you mentioned. Um, and you know, zinc iron being being one of them, and uh, US then the uh, one of the leading companies in the field to provide that uh, technology for specific use cases and bring those advantages to the market. That's what I find super interesting. Great. Towards the end of our conversation, I'd love to look uh, a bit more at your personal journey. You know, this is how we started. So maybe let's close this conversation in, in a similar way. Um, so I was wondering if there was one piece of advice or sort of guidance that you received during your clean tech journey that really stuck with you or resonated with you. Yes, there has been um, advice that, that I value very well and that um, I, I try to live by. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean, it's something that I'm I'm definitely very interested in is that um, simplify, simplify, simplify. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I, I find it absolutely thrilling to, to address very complex problems, um, but solutions that are not simplified enough um, might be too hard uh, or too difficult to implement. So, so there is a beauty in crafting uh, solutions that even though the initial problem had many layers, um, the experience is incredibly simplified. And it's the kind of challenge that, you know, in, in retrospect, you want to, to think that when you're, you're looking at the solution in its final state, um, you think that was the best way to solve the problem. But the actual process of designing that solution required a lot of hard work. So, um, so yeah, I mean, don't, uh, don't be, um, afraid of, uh, of, uh, continuing with refining your solution until, um, until it seems that simplified. Totally agree. I can really, uh, connect to that piece of advice obviously it's something that we try to do in our daily job as well in, in communications uh, and as you just said you know when you look back at the process the end result is really simple and uh, powerful and you know easy to use and then when you look back you realize how much work that uh, how much work was put in to achieve that result um, something that i yeah it can cannot uh, support enough to this concept of simplifying over and over again until you're satisfied and achieved the result that you wanted to see. Then my final question for today, I was wondering also, is there something that inspired you recently? What, you know, what keeps you going? Was it maybe a, a book that you read? Was it a, a movie that you watched? Another podcast that you listened to? Um, I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts on that. I mean, so there is something that I that I keep on um, coming back to when you know when I'm working on something, and um, I mean I don't know if you've ever ever heard of it. Have you heard of uh, Start with Why? I have heard about it, yeah, but yeah. maybe explain it to our listeners. I, but again, I can't support the concept enough. So we, I love that you bring it up. Yeah. Um, well, the the concept is that, um, and I like to to use this in um, in the way that I solve problems and the way that I um, communicate about the solution that Enterpoli has. Um, so it's start with why. Uh, really, really think about uh, the reason that that you're doing something and have that lead um all of the all of the things that you do um, because as i mentioned before problems can be very complex um, there are many ways to kind of improve on on a solution but then if it doesn't address that why problem then you're probably um, making it a lot more a lot more complex than it needs to be, or um, 
uh, you're probably adding something that that is not addressing uh, the core issue. And so, um, I mean, I like to to think of start with why as as um, the the thing that that inspires me. Well, I think that's a, a beautiful way to end this conversation. Um, I think start with why or starting with why is one of the most powerful tools when it comes to communicating ideas, product technology, because that it really, you know, connects to what you said before about simplifying the process. If when once you're able to express it in a simple way, why you do things, what you do, and how you do it. I think then people can connect with you, with your technology. We talked about the use cases and I think then uh, it becomes uh, a lot easier for, for people to understand your idea, um, buy, buy your technology, use it. And um, yeah, that, that's, I think, a, a really great way to end this conversation. I loved uh, talking battery technology with you. It was really insightful. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Jan. And I hope to speak to you soon again. <laughs> Thank you.